Hello, this is Jeff Otis, partner at Evergreen, and you're listening to a deep dive with Evergreen on the Evergreen Exchange. I hope you enjoy this 30-minute conversation between myself and fellow partner and Evergreen co-chief investment officer, Jeff Dix. Happy New Year, and as always, thanks for listening. Hey, listener, this episode requires an extra disclosure. All views and opinions expressed by any guest of the podcast are solely the individual's views and do not necessarily reflect the views of Evergreen Golf Cal. Evergreen Golf Cal's clients may hold securities mentioned in this podcast at any given time. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions or be considered investment advice. Enjoy the episode. All right, well, I'm excited. Here we are, 2022, first one we're doing this year. And I've got fellow uh, fellow partner and co-chief investment officer, Jeff Dix, uh, here on the podcast. So Jeff, welcome back. Thank you, Jeff. Happy, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Let's go right into it. Uh, let's talk about 2022. Here we are. Give us your market outlook for this year. Let's talk a little bit about equities, interest rates, the overall economy. I'll let you chat and uh, take us through what you're, what you're looking at. Sure. So in terms of stocks or equities, we're optimistic for another up year. When I say that, I think investor expectations need to be maybe reset or realistic. We've had three really good years in a row for the S&P 500. Uh, in 2019, uh, the market was up 31%. 2020, the market was up 18 Last year, the market finished up almost 29 So it's been an incredible run for equities these past three years. Um, so our views for an up year, but I think something more moderate than the last few years. Uh, an interesting factoid, Jeff, is since 1964, when the S&P 500 has been up 20% or more during a calendar year, in 12 out of 14 years, it continued to be up the next year. So generally, when you have a strong market performance year like last year, you tend to have another up year. Um, technicals are strong. Uh, if you look at valuation on the market, it's still punchy. Uh, but earnings growth has been really impressive. And actually, if you look back to last year, a lot of people were talking about valuation heading into last year, uh, and we were optimistic on equities heading into last year, given our uh, outlook that economic growth was going to be very strong. Uh, but if you look at last year, uh, a lot of people were talking about valuation being really high, and that it could be a down year for stocks. Uh, but the forward PE last year was in the 27, 28 range, so so very high. But despite that, the market did really well last year, up 29%, as mentioned, yet the multiple actually contracted. So today we're at 22 times forward earnings, um, given last year was such a strong year for earnings growth. Um, and we'll talk about interest rates and possible tightening, but it's logical uh, that if we look out to next year, the multiple actually could continue to fall with still a positive year in terms of total return for equities. EPS, earnings per share, is expected to grow about 10% for 2022, so, so less than last year's uh, earnings growth rate, but still a very good year in terms of earning growth rate potential. Um, so I think uh, we're optimistic on, on, on equities. Um, in terms of the economy, uh, you know, we are optimistic on the economy looking out until next year. We think the consumer is in good shape. Uh, as such, we think money, as mentioned, will flow into equities. The economy is expected to grow 4% in 2022. That's real GDP growth. Uh, based on last 15 years, that would be a really good growth rate for the overall economy. The labor market should continue to improve. We still think there's room for the employment rate, the, uh, the unemployment rate to come down. Uh, as mentioned, the consumer looks strong with a really good balance sheet. 
We also think there's still significant savings uh, and pent up to and still and still pent up demand. Now some of that pent up demand uh, has occurred or been spent, or some of that excess saving has been spent. But we still think there is still pretty significant pent up demand. Um, the housing market remains robust. The retail sector uh, is still pretty depressed, but that should improve as we look out to 2022, as hopefully COVID improves in a month or two. Kind of giving a rapt optimistic outlook on growth. It's likely interest rates nudge higher as we move through the year. I think it's realistic to think the 10-year Treasury, which capped off 2021 at right around 1.5%, should move up in the 2 25 zone over the next 12 months. Um, so that would be a, a, a pretty decent move up in interest rates. The Fed's also going to begin to raise short-term rates as we look out to the middle of the year. Um, so the Fed probably will hike rates two or three times by the end of uh, 2022. So short-term rates call it up 50 to 75 basis points. Long-term rates should trend higher uh, given you know solid economic growth. Um, so that's kind of our quick outlook on equities, interest rates, the economy. We're still we're still leaning optimistic, but we should we do think uh, investors should temper their expectations after the last three years. Well, really good insights there. You know, I love good optimist. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about themes. What, let's start on the growth side and then finish with the income side. So what are your favorite themes going into this year? Yeah, I think there's uh, there's a lot of areas we're playing. You know, Jeff, as you know, we run a very diversified portfolio on the equity side. But I'll talk about some of the sectors, some of the individual positions that we're taking on right now. We still have an overweight till energy. Uh, energy has had very strong relative performance over the last call it 18 to 20 months. We think there's room for energy to continue to do well as the economy improves. Uh, demand for energy is strong, supply is constrained. Um, as mentioned, we think the economy is gonna continue to grow pretty strongly this year. That should bode well for energy. Uh, the energy sector still trades really cheap. You look at some of the underlying producers and despite last year being a really good year for energy up 50%, the underlying companies trade at really high free cash flow yields uh, in the 15 to 20% range. And when we look at a stock, you know, outside of energy, if you have a 5 to 10% free cash flow yield, that tends to be pretty attractive for most sectors. Energy trades at around 15 to 20 for a lot of the companies we're looking at. Uh, very low PEs, balance sheets are improving, uh, and we think the fundamentals are strong. Uh, we also like financials. And actually, the first two two days of the year so far have been good for financials. But given our expectation, the economy continues to recover. Um, we think revenue and earnings growth could be in the low double digits for financials. Valuation is undemanding. Technically, the sector and many of the stocks are registering new highs. Um, you think about rising short-term interest rates uh, and long-term interest rates in general, the financial sector tends to track interest rates quite closely. So if, if we are right that interest rates rise, uh, you know, um, financials should perform well in that environment. Now, I'll talk a little bit about technology as well. We, we, we do like having a barbell approach with a lot of the value sectors in our portfolio, but also having some growth sectors as well. Now, in tech, it's a little bit unique. And Jeff, you and I have talked about this personally, but it makes sense to kind of bet on the Davids, not the Goliaths in this scenario. If you look at last year, the top eight mega cap names accounted for half of the S&P 500's 2022 return. So the Microsofts, Googles, Amazons, Teslas, NVIDIAs, Facebooks of the world. Underneath the surface, however, 
there was significant pain for a lot of the tech companies. If you look at the NASDAQ, over 35% of the NASDAQ peaked to trough in late December, we're down 50%. Now we went through a lot of these beamed up names and you're able to find some really good companies with really good growth potential, you know, revenue growth in the 15 to 20% range, stocks down 50% with good themes. Valuation is still punchy for this area, and you need to be selective, but we're finding some really good deals in the payment arena, the cloud arena, data processing. Um, so looking through the tech sector and finding companies that are down 35 to 50% with good themes makes sense. Uh, we still like healthcare. Healthcare should be a fairly defensive sector. Uh, healthcare stocks trade cheap relative to the market. If you look back to say 2000 to 2007, healthcare generally traded at a premium to the S&P in terms of valuation. Um, so if the overall market traded at 15 times earnings, you know, healthcare trade tended to trade 17, 18, 19 times earnings, you're actually in that opposite scenario today where healthcare actually trades at a discount uh, to the overall market. Um, there's growth in that sector. Um, a lot of new medicines are coming out. A lot of new drugs are coming out. The sector is, uh, you know, pays a good, healthy dividend yield, reasonable growth rate, cheap valuation. We think that that area should do well. Also, we're adding to international and emerging markets. If you look look at last year, emerging markets trailed the S&P by over 30 percent. Uh, Asia underperformed. Uh, we happen to like Korea. Korea was down 8% last year. Um, even looking at Brazil, down 17% last year. Emerging markets in general were down four. You know, I think if you look around the world, and particularly in emerging markets, the vaccination rate has trailed, say, developed economies. But as the vaccination rate um, improves throughout the emerging economies, we think that should bode well. Asia should rebound from a growth perspective too. Uh, if we are near the tail end of the worst of the, the pandemic and COVID. So we are adding to international with an emphasis on Asia. And then also I'd say pockets of retail look interesting as well. And I'll point out one particular sub sector of the retail uh, industry would be restaurants. Uh, we think as COVID subsides in the next couple of months, and we can talk about COVID a little bit coming up, but the restaurant industry looks, it looks like a, there's a lot of really good value in some of the restaurant companies out there. Uh, you look at uh, several of the, the companies trading at, say, 10 times earnings. Um, a lot of them are down, say, 20, 30, 40 percent from their um, you know, peaks of the last couple of years. Very high free cash flow yields, reasonable balance sheets. A lot of the, the triple P loans uh, really help the restaurant industry. And as we look out the next 12 months, we think there'll be a propensity to spend by the consumer in terms of going out to restaurants. I think that's been missed. Uh, certainly, I've missed that. I'm sure you have too, Jeff. But Absolutely. Those, those are some of the, the sectors, some of the themes we're playing. We're playing a lot more. You know, one thing I'd say is, you know, the overall market looks quite pricey for sure. But we're able to kind of look through. I think it'll be a good year for active investing. Uh, a lot of the companies we own are cheaper than the market with good themes. So I think being able to kind of look through, um, screen out, you know, themes that we like, screen out valuation metrics we like, um, and, and I think it'll be a good year for stock picking. Okay, great. So the love those ideas on the growth side. Uh, what are some of our favorite themes then on the income side? Yeah, for sure. So um, we're still seeing relatively short duration on in our income portfolios, given our concerns about rising interest rates. 
Um, some of the areas we like on the bond side are bank loans or short duration high yield. You know, given our views that the economy is going to be strong, we think default rates will stay relatively low. Last year, actually, high yield default rates were only 1%. That's a very low number in terms of high yield default rates. Given economic growth should be strong this year, we think default rates stay low. In other words, we think it's unlikely corporate borrowing costs or credit spreads widen materially. That should bode relatively well for, for high yield, uh, short duration high yield. Bank loans are also mostly floating rate so tend to perform well in a rising interest rate environment. On that topic, we still like variable rate preferreds. Um, so this, these are preferred equities that pay either a fixed rate and then convert to a floating rate or simply pay a spread based off short-term interest rates. We've liked this space for a few years now. Um, I would say that the yields compressed in this space from say on average of 4% to around 3%, but we still think that's a solid number relative to treasuries. Um, as mentioned, there's a floating rate component, so that protects against a rise in short-term interest rates. Uh, primarily, financials issue these bonds, and we think that bank balance sheets are in really good shape. As mentioned before, we like the equity side of uh, financials. So from a credit perspective, we think these are, are good credits. That's another area we like. In terms of our equity income securities, we still like dividend-paying value stocks. Uh, as mentioned, despite the market being very expensive, we're still finding good values on the dividend on the dividend side, we think dividend, uh, the growth rate of what companies are paying out this year should increase. We're actually focusing uh, fairly significantly within the dividend space on companies that are buying back shares. Um, it's incredible out there. Um, you're finding uh, a lot of companies that are buying back 5, 10, 15% of their market cap over the next couple of years. Uh, if you get a little bit of earnings growth on top of that, that buyback potential, that can be, that can really juice earnings. Um, we also think there's a significant, you know, case to be made for dividends rising next year. A lot of the, the dividend stocks we own pay a higher dividend yield than the underlying bonds that they issue, um, just pointing to the attractiveness of the dividend-paying stocks versus their, the corporate bonds that they're issuing, particularly the longer-duration corporate bonds. And we think over, say, a 10-year period, if you have a rising uh, dividend yield at, say, 2 to 4%, and they're continuing to increase that, say, in the 3 to three to 10% range, that makes for a really attractive total return. Um, we're also adding, similar to the equity side, we're adding to emerging market debt. Uh, emerging market debt underperformed last year, particularly at the tail end of the year, depending on the country, the credit, whether government or corporate, uh, emerging market debt pays anywhere from 4 to 10%. The currencies are depressed as well. Uh, so we think that's an area to accumulate. Um, we also like private credit and private real estate. Um, we are doing another close of our private credit fund this year. We think that should be a safe risk-adjusted return, particularly relative to traditional bonds. A lot of the private credit offerings we're looking at we're targeting, say, eight to 10 plus type returns, similar to private real estate. On the public side, you can also, you know, if you're looking for a public market alternative to private credit, there's business development companies. We're optimistic on, on those, those, those uh, stocks as well. These are companies that also lend privately to private companies and, you know, they pay out that income. The, the average dividend yield in that space is call it eight to 10%. Valuations relatively inexpensive, but a little more pricey than, say, March, April, May of uh, 2020. 
but still we think it's you know with economic growth strong we think those business business development companies should perform well um, so those are a lot of the areas that you know we've been adding to or accumulating on the income side uh, but we 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 think a all of those areas should do really well versus traditional bonds over the next, I'd even say one year, but I even say three to five years. And what about areas to avoid? Yeah, I'd say, well, this one's, I wouldn't say, I'd say mega cap tech is an area that we're cautious on. We still own a lot of those companies. Uh, and I think there's companies to continue to hold, uh, you know, growth at a reasonable price. Uh, and there's companies that have really, really sky high valuations that we wouldn't buy or if we own, we'd sell. Um, but some of the the high quality growth at a reasonable price names, we're not necessarily selling out of those names, but we're not necessarily adding exposure either. And in fact, it's reasonable to consider trimming some of these names, some of those mega cap tech names that we talked about in favor of some of the beaten up tech names. So that's kind of a not necessarily an area to fully avoid, but an area to potentially rotate out of. A lot of people own those companies. Uh, we still own them, but it makes sense to maybe take some gains there and rotate elsewhere. Um, high quality bonds, you know, we just don't think makes sense right now. A 10-year treasury at one and a half percent doesn't make a lot of sense when we think rates are going to be going up this year. It doesn't take much to provide a negative return on those bonds in terms of rising interest rates. Right. Uh, we felt this way last year. High quality bonds had a down year last year. We actually think high quality bonds are, are likely to have a zero to negative return this year as well. That's prior to inflation that's running hot. Um, we also don't really like cash right now. Uh, being too cash heavy is concerning with inflation running as high as it is. Um, now, at the same time, it's been a really good year for or really good three years, I should say, for equities. So having a little bit of cash uh, for buying purposes makes some cash, makes some sense, you know, call it five percent or so. But we wouldn't hold a considerable amount of cash right now. Last question. Uh, what are the risks that you see facing the market right now? Near term, probably COVID near terms, the, the risk facing the market, you know, the next month or so. I think that that's actually going to fade over the next couple of months. The market so far has shrugged off this huge outbreak we've seen. I mean, the, the outbreak we're currently seeing is the biggest we've seen in this whole COVID pandemic. Yesterday, we had 1 million people test positive in the United States. That's the highest, highest daily rate ever. That doesn't include unreported at-home tests. But I think this spike actually could be a good thing. And I don't want to be insensitive because there's going to be hospitalizations, there's going to be deaths. But, I, you know, what I mean there is I think once this passes, you can get more herd immunity. This uh, variant isn't as deadly. It isn't as um, it, it's not leading to as many hospitalizations. So I think once this spike subsides, you really could see a lower case count going forward. People are getting used to, to living with this. We're not seeing a shutdown of our economy from this spike in cases as well. So I think, you know, I'm hopeful that COVID you know, isn't as much of a front page story as it's been in the past couple of years. And I think actually after this spike, it's not going to be as big of a risk as it's been over the last 18 months. Now, I think the bigger risk facing the market as we look out to 2022 is the Fed and the government shifting from a highly accommodative stance to a less accommodative stance and actually um, more of a restrictive stance as we head into next year. You know, what we're seeing is the Fed pairing back the balance sheet. They should complete that by about the middle of this year. 
in call it June or so, they're going to start to raise rates. Um, when you look at the overall stock market, you tend to see increased volatility when the balance sheet turns flat or down. Uh, we haven't seen a 10% correction since March of 2020, when we had about a 30 plus percent pullback in the overall market. You know, you look back to 2010, 2011, 2015, those were three episodes where the Fed balance sheet moved sideways. In 2010, you had a 10% pullback. 2011, that was the European financial crisis. You had about a 19% pullback. 2015, 16, um, kind of was that energy meltdown. We had about a 12% pullback in the S&P 500. Um, so I think it's logical once the Fed balance sheet kind of flatlines, the market's going to reset a little bit. Um, you could get a moderate pullback at some point this year, um, you know, call it middle, back half of the year. So I think that, you know, the Fed, the government, that's probably the biggest risk facing the market as we look out. Well, it's good. I mean, it's it's we captured a good 30 minutes or so with you. I, it ran a little longer than maybe some of our previous podcasts, but so many of those insights I think are valuable. Uh, and I think it really helps frame uh, the you know all the different themes and and uh, ideas that we're monitoring here um, and some and you know overall sounds like fairly optimistic in terms of what we're what we're headed into so um, let's let's get you out of here with the bonus question of course I really appreciate your time today and I think listeners are really going to enjoy this uh, this podcast so bonus question is there a is there a show or favorite TV show that you're watching right now that you would recommend. Yeah, I think, well, I feel kind of bad saying this because I think everyone's watching it right now, but Yellowstone with Kevin Costner, that's my wife and I's favorite show. It's just uh, pretty entertaining, good character development. It's one we'll, once we get our daughter Charlie to bed, we'll just throw an episode on and kind of relax a bit. But that's, if you haven't seen it, I definitely watch it. Super entertaining and uh, it's a fun show to watch. My wife and I are also watching it. We just watched the finale uh, the other night. It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah we did too. Uh, well, happy new year to you and your family. And let's, uh, let's look forward to a really good year together here. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Evergreen GovCal is a wealth management firm with offices in Bellevue, Washington, Portland, Oregon, and California's Bay Area. We provide investment management, tax compliance, family office, and retirement planning services. Evergreen is accepting applications for new clients who align with our firm's investment and planning approach. If you think you might be a fit with us, follow the link in the show notes to fill out our prospective client compatibility survey.